0: You're listening to Asians Represent, a series on the OneShot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Daniel Kwan, and this episode is brought to you by our amazing supporters on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash aznsrepresent for exclusive content, show notes, and more. Hey there, everyone. It's Daniel. I am extremely excited for this episode as it's a return to the kind of content that we started the show on, and that's interviewing Asian creators. Today's guest is Thajas Oza, who is a member of a five-person team creating the Bludgeon TTRPG system. Bludgeon is a D20 game inspired by the Indian mythologies, pop culture, and histories that the team grew up with across different parts of the country we chatted about the design approach to bludgeon uh, with india being one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world the core tenants of their game and of course a really really great discussion about tactical combat that said i am really really excited for you to learn more about tejas the team and bludgeon so let's get to the interview In the past week, since you sent me sort of the, uh, the press kit, I also downloaded the Quick Start, and I've been going through the basics document. I am extremely curious about Bludgeon, extremely um, curious.
1: <laughs> I am happy to answer questions about it. It's, it's been our baby for ages, and it feels weird to actually be sharing it after probably eight-ish, maybe more years of just it being our thing.
0: Yeah. So I I'm, I'm assuming did, did this start as like a home game kind of like yeah. a, hey this is a a little project to kind of make the game you want to be playing and then yeah. it turned into okay this is a real thing and we're going to put this out into the world. Exactly that. It it was so
1: to kind of preface all of us who make this we're, were video game developers. We met at work. We started playing I think back then 40 was out. So we were starting to play 40 and I think one day while walking home it was like some absurd time at night we were just talking about mechanics and the fact that no matter what you did what your actions in a game didn't quite reflect the role play of it and that just led to one thing after the other and then we started just kind of poking and prodding and trying to create like our solutions to these problems mm-hmm. and yeah that was our home game uh, we started Uh, We got our first set of rules, we started up a new campaign, and we just kept playing and adding and changing and,
0: you know, just messing with the formula for a long, long time. That's very cool. Now, we should probably circle back and just like give our audience an understanding of what Bludgeon even is to begin with. We're talking about this like thing that we're all really excited about, but what is Bludgeon? Okay. Okay.
1: I've been workshopping how to really talk about it efficiently, but <laughs> we it's basically a D twenty rule high system, very familiar if you've played like D and D, Pathfinder, that sort of thing. But our motto with the game has been that we're tactical and we're thematic and quite modular as well. The I just mentioned, right? Like we want the rules you have at your disposal to be what drives your roleplay or informs it. And we want the roleplay to then feed back in. And that's what we've always been trying to go for. The fact that we're all Indian really informs our aesthetic, but it's more of just how everything looks. It's not uh, a sort of thing where you have to be Indian to understand how to play this, because we are always been uh, mechanics
0: first. I love that. I, for, for me, when, you know, when I'm looking for a new game, I'm always looking for something that, like, I like the intent behind the design of Bludgeon. It, it's also, you know, interesting to me because, you know, on your itch page, you know, it talks about the game being inspired by India's like sort of mythologies, the pop culture, yeah. the history. And I think of like all the really incredible movies. And then you talk about, okay, this is a game of tactical combat. And then yeah. I think of the incredible action movies that have come out of India recently, too. And I'm just, like, okay, what is this? And on the itch page, you folks talk about, like, the core sort of tenets of the game, right? Marrying mechanics, narrative, and role play. And I think that's, like, an incredibly commendable thing. Because if you look at other games, like, what's the most popular game right now? D&D 5th edition. D&D 5th edition has a set of, like, rules and procedures for how to handle like skill checks and combat and whatnot, but not necessarily from a narrative perspective or a role play perspective or even a world perspective because D&D's package is very much separated from its world. But based on what I'm seeing with the basic rules, the world and the inspirations, like the cultural inspirations behind Bludgeon are very much a part of the DNA of this game. Is Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that, I think that's a fair thing to say, because I, it's a weird one to explain as well, because for us, it's just innate, right? It's it's how we think, and when we solve problems, we're solving the problem with that mentality. Just add it in. Uh, I think it's later on where we start to like try and figure out how we got to a particular point that we're like, okay, this is why I thought of that. But with regards to pludgeon and... All these inspirations that we have. You've mentioned the action movies. Uh, That's informed a ton of abilities, a ton of, like, you know, even little names that we've uh, put in the book. Our references range far and wide from Bollywood to Tollywood and Mm -hmm. more because, like, I'm from kind of the western side of India. Two of our members are from South India and. The way we see things, our reference points are very different. So it, it's kind of fun to kind of keep riffing off each other and then actually educating each other. Because um, uh, one of our buddies, Vivek, for example, huge history buff, uh, he's in charge of our lore. And just talking to him is amazing because he'll keep throwing tidbits of history that I wouldn't even know uh, or bits of pop culture that I wouldn't even know. And that just makes everything better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, this is actually something that I wanted to talk about because like when you sent me the press kit, I was reading it and you said like, hey, the, you know, this game, there there are these core members, but everybody's kind of from different parts of India. yeah, And India is like one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so I, I kept thinking, well, how do you kind of incorporate all of these different inspirations into the design of Bludgeon? And well, you're kind of talking about how it's this sort of like back and forth conversation, teaching each other.
1: Yeah, it's it's a bit of that, but I think if you've grown up in India, invariably your classroom is filled with people from different states, right? Uh, so just being used to and learning how to be okay with different cultures and different mindsets is something you learn as you grow up. It's kind of innate. Hell, even the fact of taking a joke is kind of innate because you would make fun of someone just because they're from another state and they do the same to you because we have our stereotypes, we enjoy them. It's just a thing. And so when we talk to each other, there's just, that respect is just grown into you from childhood. And so there's no real, like, uh, explanation for it. It's just there. And for bludgeon. It's not like we set out to be like we need to represent this state and this state and this state and this state. What we did set out to do is just be like, what do we know? What do we enjoy? And how can we put that in this game? Okay. And that's and because we have at least four different or five different perspectives, we at least can cover five different bases.
0: Yeah, that's I I think that's very commendable. It's like you know you can't you're not speaking for everyone. You Just speaking for yourselves, so for somebody like me who like I've never been to India, I know as, as much as I can, but am I able to pick up on those things when'm I'm, when I'm reading through bludgeon? Am I going to be able I, to understand that?
1: Oh yeah I, there, there's a bunch of stuff in there that we've intentionally tried to make it as easy for just about anybody to get into. We're not uh, trying to you know, kind of gatekeep out uh, any certain references or jokes or whatever there are things that will make more sense if you've grown up in the culture or you understand certain things right like chai chai is a huge thing for us right so is filter coffee if you're from down south and while it's not in the basics book yet we're currently building our lore and we're building out the different kingdoms and factions and one of the core things we're talking about is how does each different region have their chai because that's just oh something that's cool we, yeah it, it's something we understand and it's it's a small detail that maybe someone from another country will be like oh, okay that's interesting i can use that as a uh you know in their role play in their their world setting and if you're from india you would be like oh shit okay i drink that type of chai maybe i should make a character from this region
0: oh that's awesome i mean food is uh a very great way of sort of differentiating factions and cultures within like a fantasy game because it's food is everything exactly food, food dictates your environment what kind of ingredients you could even get whether you it's through like you know agriculture or trade that's that's very interesting that chai is kind of like the part of the identity of these various oh yeah sort of I guess, you, regions.
1: You, you mentioned it, right? Like food is a big thing. And like, it, that's kind of one of our main focuses when we talk about the different cultures and different people. Usually in most settings, you're like, okay, this is a clear, distinct line between, you know, people A and people B. And they are like this and they're like that. And for us, it's more like, no, see, these are kind of the regions they'll Bleed into each other, and you're going to see food like this at the core of here, and in the middle, you're going to see a mixture of that and this. And food, especially, is something that's very, very core to different like state identities. The type of pe- uh, food that people eat, the uh, the food they bring in their lunchboxes to school. You know, it would change based off of where someone was from. So that's just something we that I wouldn't say is important, but it's just something that is like it's such an obvious thing and it should be part of when you learn about someone. And so we're incorporating that
0: into uh, our lore, into our books. I love that. I'm thinking about like, Oh, if you have like five different adventurers and they're meeting up for the first time around a campfire and then they all pull out the food that they've brought and it's all exactly. different. And then there's your core conversation. I think that's really cool.
1: Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's something we, uh, we really care about. And, we, we've tried really hard to, to find these little points where we're like, you know, this could be better or we could innovate here and just try and add those things ourselves.
0: That's great. So systemically, you know, when you say, hey, this is a D20 roll high system, a lot of people would be like, okay, another D20 game. Yeah. The game I'm working on is also a D20 game. But what makes your D20 system different from others? Like what, what is unique about it?
1: It's our five umbrella systems. So we, we don't really shy away from the fact that we are combat-oriented. We like uh, combat. It's just the type of players we were when we started this. So we created uh, five umbrella systems that are like a core rule set for how different types of combatants, fighters, mages would fight. And underneath those, there are little subclasses that interact with that umbrella system in unique ways. I'll give you an example. The arcane system. That's for all magic users. The arcane system in itself is simple. You cast a basic spell, which is uh, you have a base uh, distance, you have a base shape, and a base damage. And then you have elemental effects that you can choose from. You And when uh, when you play the game, you have a table. The table is uh, will tell you what shape you're casting, and what its relevant damage is, and then you just choose an elemental effect but there has to be a way that you can make your spells more powerful in some form and that's where the different classes come in for example a bard they're singing verses and every time they sing a worse they gain a little bit of flow and when they think they have enough flow they use it all in this awesome solo or a power note as we that's call cool. it. That's uh, cool. Exactly. And that's what you expect a bard to do like from a fantasy uh, or a men- like mm-hmm. a the power fantasy you would imagine. And that's the what the rules make you do and make you want to do. Sorcerers on the other hand, they have innate magic. That's what the power fantasy of those guys are. So for them they can for no cost whatsoever, except a reduction to their attack rule, amplify the power of their spell. Either increase the damage, increase the range, add additional elemental effects and stack them. But if that, spell, uh, if that spell misses, all that extra amplification that they've added goes back into them as instability. And once they have a certain amount of uh, instability, there's just a little magical explosion around them that hits them, everybody around them. It's just That's cool. Yeah, they're like a walking nuclear reactor, and we we found ways to do this for different classes, for different uh thematics, and we've done that across the board. So five core power sources, and then a bunch of sub mechanics under those.
0: I like, I love the visual of that. It's just like you're just kind of overcharging your abilities, and then when you unleash them, there's this like shock wave of force that hurts exactly. everybody. Exactly, that's really given-
1: neat. We've given people like enough options, uh, where they can find ways to mitigate that or they can find ways to lean into it and just run into a fight and then be like, Nope, I'm just exploding. Other ways to kind of manipulate that as well. So our kind of, what we've realized is that through doing all this, no two characters are ever going to be the same, even if they chose the same class. They can Barring the fact that they choose exactly the same options. There's no. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> That's I I what I think is really interesting is like I'm I'm looking at the basic rules right now. Mm-hmm. And what's what's really neat here is that I'm looking at the uh, the way you folks have kind of like broken everything down. Uh, I also really like how from like a design perspective, you've said, hey. These are the classes that are associated with an arcane character. You've got like wizard, sorcerer, bard, and warlock. Yeah, But then you're also kind of saying, hey, we also have an entire section that's just on martial arts forms. And I think that's that's very neat because as a designer, you're communicating that, hey, we have these two very distinct systems at play here for different kinds of characters. Uh, Some of this is familiar. Some of this is very, very new. I like how in martial arts forms you have all of these sort of different masteries. Like you have emotion, precision, shadows. Like this is all really neat. And I like seeing martial arts in here because a lot of people don't understand that. Like a lot of the Eastern martial arts that we know of owe their roots to India. Exactly. With so that... Yes. I've been trying to figure out an excuse to do an entire episode of Agents Represent on that. Oh, wow. So, I might have to talk to your team in the future. <laughs> oh, th- I think if
1: if you're talking about the sort of thing, they will they will go on. So,
0: yeah, you you can have them, but be ready. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do we'll do a part 2 and I'll I'll be prepared to set aside <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah, for
1: sure.
0: <laughs> but this is so interesting. And another thing that I think is very compelling about this project is just the context in which it's being developed. We've talked about, you know, bringing in your own experiences growing up, you know, in different parts of India. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that everyone on the team works in the video game industry. Yeah. And so you're bringing in a different perspective, not only from your workflow, which I'm assuming is very different from others who don't work in, you know, tech. Yeah. But also your inspirations. Like if you're all coming from video games and you are very explicit about, hey, this is a a game that really emphasizes tactical combat. The only one that I know of that is that kind of wears it on its sleeve is another, another game called Gubat Banwa.
1: Yes, they, they do as well. And I think they do it as they well. Launched... They seem
0: very different from this though.
1: Yeah. They, they've gone very uh, thematic, which is fantastic. And uh, funnily enough, I think they launched like two months before we started like trying to be public about ourselves. So okay. that, I, I love how things just kind of conspire to have, you know, similar stuff happen at the same time.
0: It's a movement.
1: It must be. It must be because <laughs> like a lot of their inspirations kind of overlap with ours. It's it's really cool. But yeah, they've gone very tactical, but they've also gone very uh, thematic, which is which is – fantastic for the type of story that they're trying to tell as well yeah we we went for a more modular pro- approach which is i don't really care what setting you use you can use mine which is great we were you know we're we're building out more and more of this setting and we would love it if people like it but if you don't want to don't it's okay and that comes from i think the fact that just as video game developers we know people will mod things so make it easy for people to mod so that's that's been our core motto is that we like to you know tinker and mess with existing uh, systems and we know people would like to do that in the book ev- at the start of every major section I talk about our design theory what we were trying to achieve so that you can judge whether it's achieved what was being discussed if you want to you know do your own spin-off, you understand what the thought process is and how to kind of replicate that in time i'm probably going to put in more detail of how to kind of do it more more precisely but yeah. that's just something we care about is that design and creation it, it always just kind of plays off of each other so we want to make sure that whoever comes next and uses us as inspiration,
0: we give them the tools that they need. Right. So folks could play bludgeon. They could, you know, they could love, because I'm actually very excited about the world because I haven't seen anything like this. So I, it's just, I want to read the book as a world book. Oh, gotcha. I also want to take this system and interact with the world. Uh, I personally, when I'm looking at a a TTRPG product, I'm looking for something that will enable me to kind of tell like my own stories. I really like games that are built on procedures that help everyone sort of navigate, you know, situations at the table, like frameworks that are essentially used to structure the game. Like, hey, this is when you use specific mechanics, why they're important to use, and how they kind of interact with one another, sort of subsystems within. An overarching product and it kind of sounds like you folks are building something like that based on how everything is kind of broken down in uh the basic rules and this is something that's very attractive to me somebody who like i love tactics games i love the idea of having a grid growing up and you know my favorite edition of dungeons and dragons is 3.5 and 3.0 like i love having rules i love having the numbers there and i love that deep deep customization I like yeah. having a character be my own, and building a character that can function with a particular style.
1: Exactly, that. And it sounds like that's to. what
0: you folks are are kind of doing now. I, I would love to know, just as like a gamer, tabletop gamer, and a huge fan of video games. Like, what would you say are the video games that are inspiring the experience that you're trying to bring with Bludgeon? Oh, wow. And I realize that's a super loaded question. <laughs> it,
1: it is, because there's like five different people who play five vastly different games. So I what about you
0: being like one of the main design people?
1: When I started this, XCOM, like Firaxis's new XCOM had just come out. Darkest Dungeon had just come out. FTL. And mm-hmm. so th- those were the games I was playing when I started this or around roughly that timeline and i think just how crunchy they were how you had options you had bills but you also had a clear understanding of this is the archetype and this is what that archetype is supposed to do in all their abilities all the w- the ways you would want to build them all Just leads you in that into that identity of who that person was. That was something that really kind of inspired us, and it was part of that original discussion of. And I'm not trying to, you know, make fun or kind of put down D and D, but one of the issues for us as players was that you have a spell list, and a warlock does the same thing as a sorcerer does, as a wizard does, mechanically speaking. There are passives that add a little bit of flavor to it, but when you use a spell, it's the same type of spell. It has the same resolution, and there's a lot more, you know, regarding uh, races having certain like optimized routes for how to build races and all that. We didn't enjoy either, but in in regards to this, we wanted more. It, like the way I talked about the bard, where we wanted you to actually sing and perform like that was part of your identity. That should be what the, mecha- the mechanics actually had you thinking about is like, where should I be where I don't have to be interrupted in my song where as in nobody hits me, but I can still continue singing and then move closer and have this amazing solo moment where I cast a powerful spell. The mechanics should inform that you were talking about the martial arts. That's part of our chakra system. That's inspired by Indian martial arts and uh, martial arts that come from like China and Japan and a stupid amount of anime because we all watch (laughs) the same amount of anime. And that whole system uses a uh, balance mechanic where you're kind of going into uh, emotional states. And the, the moment you hit balance, you execute your signature moves, right? Just mimicking all the type different types of media you'd watch where you'd see that protagonist struggle, he'd, you know, have his highs and lows, highs and lows, but then the moment he's like, no, it's on and then he executes a signature move and that's what you cheer for. That's what we want. So for that power system, that's what we built. That's it's just it's it's kind of it's it's what we care about. So all the video games we played were games that leaned heavily into understanding what an archetype was and then giving you the tools to feel like that archetype, the way you played it. Wow.
0: Yeah. I, in my mind, when you were describing this, I was like playing through a scene in my mind. I was like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, a musical character who's performing and getting ready to sort of hit like that, the bridge of their song. And then at that same moment, this more martial character is getting themselves into a state where they can unleash their, you know, their final blow, their super attack and it exactly. happens at the same time. And I'm like, it's very, it's very cool that you're trying to achieve that experience mechanically with a game. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Because I think of like one of my, like I think the coolest movies, are like I love the Bali movies. I think, I think they're <laughs> yeah. so cool. I think they're so cool. And I, I watched them uh, with my friend KP, shout out to KP, who kind of explained the the, the cultural sort of side of it and like right. what everything was trying to indicate. And I was like, oh, this is... There was like another layer of complexity that I did not understand. To me, I'm like, oh, this is just a fun and very, very cool movie. And then on top of that, there are all the... This is the reason you know why this character looks like this. This is like a particular trope that you see in this kind of film. I was like, oh, I don't even understand that, but I appreciate it. As a game that, you know, is very much marketing itself as like, hey, this is inspired by, you know, the cultural history, both like modern and ancient uh, of India. Yeah. How do you kind of ensure that players can kind of go in and appreciate that? That's a
1: we're still trying to refine that a lot of it comes down to just being clear and i think this comes from our uh you know video game roots where you have to write a technical spec right you have to be clear about what the goals are and what someone is going to see uh and make it very succinct and make it uh and just put it up front that hey this is what you're about to go into detail on a b c d here are the full details of A, B, C, and D. So that helps. That kind of helps you kind of set the stage for what someone is going to read. With regards to getting them into the lore or into the thematic of things, we try and give examples. We try and put in little blurbs of flavor text with uh, each thing. I try very hard to make sure the naming convention of... Stances, of abilities, and all that is very indicative of what you're going to be dealing with. It's not easy sometimes because, like, uh, so I'm bad at naming things, so it takes a while for me to find the right word. And the rest is just providing information to people. Right now, the basics book has, right at the end, the beginnings of our lore section of how we're going to be addressing it how we're going to be presenting it uh our one of our members vivek he's written some fantastic short stories about uh the prehistory of these regions and uh, talks about like as all histories the wars that were fought the struggles the you know the The high and lows of how the kingdom rose and fell and who they fought against and for people who really like world building those are going to be fantastic because that will give you a lot of insight into oh you want to play of honor fine this is their history you understand why they like to behave a certain way because historically it comes from this inciting event
0: I love that. Yeah, for, for me, it's just, you know, the. I want to, when I get a new TTRPG, I want to learn from it. I want to learn as a designer. I want to grow as a designer. I want to see new ideas. But I also want to learn as a human being. I want to be like, okay, well, what are some new experiences that I can get out of this? Uh, What can I, you know, when I read Bludgeon, what am I going to learn from it from a team that is, you know, has a very, very deep roots in India. What am I going to take out of this? What makes this unique to me? And it seems like you folks are, are kind of putting together a very uh, accessible package for folks because a lot of the terminology, and this is one thing I learned with my first game, is that I really tried to lean in on the themes of the First World War. Yeah. And it got too thematic to the point where it was difficult to actually understand the mechanics of the game because I was trying to use a lot of World War I terminology. And so I had to kind of pivot to make it more accessible. And it's this balancing act of theme and accessibility in terms of how, again, the procedures of the game actually work. Now I have to ask, uh, speaking of just like how you're gonna interact with the game, for me as somebody who really likes these tactical games, weapons. Weapons are like a huge, like the, the Indian subcontinent just has an incredible variety of weapons. Exactly. Are those, how are those going to be featured in the game? I'm looking right now and we see like a breakdown of like, Hey, you have Tights. like standard weapons, swift weapons, heavy yeah. weapons, very video game, very much yes. video game inspired. That, that was
1: the, <laughs> the best way to handle such a vast <laughs> variety of things. When you have just a ton of stuff, like just speaking as a systems designer, when you have so much variety, the best thing you can do is to kind of condense it all into a few understandable concepts and then and then start ballooning back outwards. So and this this applies to pretty much everything you would want to do that's systemic in nature but always kind of condense and then balloon outwards as additions add-ons and all that so for us uh to make things understandable to of the widest uh group uh, or the widest audience possible we broke it down into those uh types which is standard swift two-handed bows so on and gave each a uh, special mechanic of how it u- is used. It bends the uh, rules or adds a certain thing addition if you do certain things. Uh, two-handed weapons. If you don't move, it's, thematically for us, it's like you haven't moved. You're bracing. You're swinging this in a wider arc, and because of that, you do incre uh, like a lot more damage than you would uh, normally. So we add all that, and then when we want to uh, incorporate specific weapons. Hey, I want to have uh, an Urumi. Then you'd look at the weapon, you'd be like, okay, maybe that sounds better as a swift weapon. You already know what a swift weapon adds to your playstyle. You have this as a thematic. And then as a DM, you can be like, oh, but I also want to add this little caveat to it. You can add that to it. And that's... And that's honestly the best way to ensure that things stay modular if i sat down to represent properly and balance every single type of unique weapon that you get in some continent or in the, the entire continent for example i i'd still be writing right because balancing that that volume of things is uh it's it's a fool's task it's You know, unfortunately, what a lot of MOBA designers have to deal with and get shouted at all the time. Uh, So there are lessons to be learned from video game design uh, that apply here of how to approach problems in a more pragmatic manner, I guess.
0: Can you elaborate on the on the on the comment with MOBAs? I'm not I'm not super into MOBAs. Like I tried playing League of Legends, (laughs) Mm. and I'm not very good at it. So so what do you mean by that in terms of scale?
1: So in terms of scale, MOBAs have so many different items,
0: right? And they're
1: a live game. So every item has certain stats. You have so many different types of heroes. And every sort of conditional passive, right? Like every game has conditions or conditionals or triggers, uh, or at least this is the shorthand I use for them. But it's basically an ability that says, if this, then that. Or if this occurs, then do this. All of that if works in different in different ways with different types of heroes depending on what their strengths are. So something that is pretty useless to one person is pretty pretty damn important to someone else, where it it is a must have. So for MOBA designers, they have to it's a constant balancing act when you have a hundred plus characters with their own unique abilities and Maybe fifty to hundred items with their own unique things. Where do you find the balance, right? Right. In a way, TTRPGs are the same because essentially people will keep creating new characters, new combinations, and I can't constantly be tweaking the balance for people. The best I can do is say, "Hey, this is the closest I can get to get to it," and then here's some tools to help you kind of figure things out in a live setting for the DM. And best of luck. Or hit me up in the forums and I'll get back to you. Fair. Right? That's what I mean is that, so when you think about it in those terms of how to make it really accessible and easily adjustable for people, that is why you want to pare down, find those keywords essentially, and then provide flavor in the keywords and then give them space where those,
0: that can be expanded upon. Right So rather than have this like a, a, ex, extensive table of these are all the individual stats for each weapon, exactly. putting them into tags or classes kind of helps you create categories or broader categories that people can kind of adhere to so that the rest of your system isn't broken. Exactly and by individuals. Exactly. And at least it's not broken
1: in broad strokes. It'll be broken by the you know the finer details, no doubt. but at least you get closer to a better, more... There's more parity in the play experience for people. And right. as a designer, that's what you're hoping for, is that nobody walks away going, oh, shit, you know, this is the obvious way to build this. Uh, as old games, right? Where Or older editions of uh, popular games, where it's like, oh, if I want to play a Warlock, obviously I take either this race or this race, and these two feeds, and I'm good to go. But then where's the expression? Whereas uh, someone being like, oh, I want to try this other thing. Unless they're fine with not being optimal.
0: Right, yeah. I look at you know, live service games too, like Diablo 4, uh, which I played a lot of when it launched. And there was like one way to build the Necromancer. There was one way to build the Rogue, which was like the two characters that I primarily played. And right. any other way was suboptimal. And your experience was dramatically different in that it was punishingly more difficult. Mm-hmm. And your end game to try to say, okay, well, I'm a necromancer. I'm just gonna do my build. Is just gonna be this. Well, okay, it's not as good as if you went this way. So I like it. that. I like that. It, get, it lets people kind of explore without sort of hampering themselves and their experience.
1: Exactly. Uh, that's that's kind of one of the reasons we even did away with stat bonuses uh, by race. You choose what race you want to be, and we don't give you a stat bonus for that, because we always thought that was pretty dumb. We very quickly just added adaptations, which were physical changes based off of who you were. If you were a Dracon, which is similar to a Dragonborn, then you would have dragon-like features, and that would give you not stats, but conditional benefits in certain situations. If you had, let's say larger claws because that is the ancestry you had that adaptation would allow you to do clawing attacks or add like a bleed when you do make a unarmed strike uh unarmed unarmed strike so we've done that across the board with all the races that you can choose from yeah. and even that expands the scope of individuality that each character and each uh, or that each character that you create can possess so if we go back to the original example of two people creating the same class based off of the race and adaptations they chose, even then they're going to have differences in the playstyle and the things that they consider doing
0: in a lot. Yeah, because I I mean like just based on the art alone, there is this one particular character that I keep seeing in the art, and I'm like, oh, that's it's a monkey, like a like like Hanuman, like Hanuman. Yes. And who like Chinese culture like Sun Wukong. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, well I know that's what I want to play. And then when I was looking through it, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Because like, yeah, you have a tail. You have a prehensile tail that you can do things with. And you know, you've got these feet that let you grab things and you've got these long arms kind of like a gibbon. Yeah. Which I think is like very, very interesting. And then of course, you know, you have the lore kind of built into it. You're like talking about like, oh, tricksters and how these characters in like mythology kind of appear. Uh, I think that's like extremely interesting. Now, for people who are listening to this, I know a lot of our audience, there are folks who are really into tactics games, people who love combat, people who really like to have... I I like games that are not necessarily complex in rules, but games that are complex in their subsystems. I like options. I like to see things like stances. I like to see things like styles and forms and whatnot. But for people who are into storytelling games or people who m- may be playing remotely and might not be using like a virtual tabletop or a grid, will Bludgeon still work for them? Oh, yeah.
1: If you're into story storytelling, there's enough... Background that we're providing with, or what will eventually be the full book, that you'll have enough prompts. That's the word. You'll you'll find enough prompts for how to structure an, uh, an adventure, or how to have an NPC just be slightly different, or give them a little bit more flavor. Using Bahubali as an example, like how to have uh, an NPC like Adapa, like and why he would behave a certain way. We're Hoping to provide all of that information to you, and then allow you to use that the way you want. And if you don't want to do combat, fine. That you just have con like the role play encounters. Have them solve puzzles. Admitted, that's not what we built for, <laughs> but I think anything is moddable to do what you want it to do. It's it's just uh, how we believe all games are, mm-hmm. and if you are playing remotely, I'm gonna be honest, and this is like a personal opinion, this is my little rant, you don't need fancy tools. Open Google Sheets, make all the cells little squares, and you have a grid that everyone can interact with, and you just have to put in a number on one thing saying, Hey, this number one is enemy one, enemy two, enemy three, and, you know, this is Thagis. This big T here is represents him. And you can have a grid based battle. In like five minutes, and that's literally how I run my play tests. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: My my personal recommendation is a is a tool, and it's a free one called mm. Owlbear Rodeo.
1: I've used that. Uh, I as
0: well. I love it because it's just again simple grid. There is no there's no subsystems involved. When I'm working on my design stuff, and I'm trying to illustrate, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. What would it look like in this scenario? I just pull up a grid on there drop some random tokens in and i just kind of start moving them around and that that's works about as it as well
1: exactly like so if you're playing online like there are tools out there and you know from the most basic brain dead tool as google sheets to more sophisticated ones and as long as you have a grid you're fine if you don't want a grid and you want to just kind of play it loose by near far medium all it takes is like a quick conversation to define, okay, is near roughly this much? If I say three tiles, is that near? Sure, go for it. That's it. It's, it all boils down to how you, as someone who's hosting the game, to your players want to have that discussion and agree to what the fiction is going to be.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that, that flexibility. Also, like just as a designer, we can't force people to play the game the way we want them to play it. Yeah. The best thing that we can do as a designer is to equip them with a toolkit and a set of structures that they can kind of learn from. Yeah. So a year from now, what's Bludgeon going to look like a year from now? Oh boy! What are, what are your hopes for Bludgeon?
1: My hopes? Uh, I, I really hope more people pick it up and play it. We're, right now, we've got a basics version of the book that's out for free. And we want people to just play it in time we're going to turn that into a paid option uh, once all of our systems are in the book and use those funds to actually get more art and uh, spend more time writing more material for it i want to finish up writing the first adventure that you can run again in a format that i feel is more accessible than the formats i currently read I want to have I, I mean, I want it all really, but it all comes down to just the time and the adoption of it. So the more people play it, the more I feel confident in spending more and more time into it. And we'll see how things go. With with Bludgeon it's been pretty fast and loose. We're learning things as we go. I've been learning how to like format <laughs> uh, I've only written technical docs up until I started
0: this, and now I have to think about aesthetic that, that's been wild are, are, so did you do the layout of the of the basics document oh yeah <laughs> fair I'm also learning that so learning the the sort of the layout is that is a skill that is it a is, skill oh for sure it is it's a skill and i it's one that
1: I know I'm lacking in because I am very literal. So, which is great for my job, because I I can write a technical spec, and no problem, you know, bullet points of everything that you have to do, order of execution, all that. Great. But that's not the best way to you know, explain TTRPG rules, for example. So, I'm learning how to do that better. I'm learning how to try and make things a bit more easier on the eye for a reader. Uh, it's interesting. it's It's kind of fun to learn that, and to also, like, put out something and then get here back and be like, you know,
0: this didn't make sense. And you'd be like, oh, maybe it's because of this. That's awesome. So if folks want to get, you know, like, want to get, a you know, their hands on this basics document, they can go to tacticsandchai.itch.io. Uh, I'm going to have the links in the show notes for this episode. If, if folks want to Play this and provide feedback. Share their thoughts. Where can they do that? Where can they, Do you have a Discord server? Do you have a place where people can play test? How are you collecting feedback right now?
1: Right now, we're. I run a bunch of sessions uh, throughout the week. Uh, it's more it's observational feedback from that. Uh itch has its own forum, so if you just leave a comment or you uh, start a new thread. I'll respond immediately, or at least as soon as I can. So those are the best ways to like, send us feedback. If you're looking for places to play, honestly, anywhere you want to. I'm currently part of a fantastic group called the Pigeon Killers. They're a group in India who run uh, various TTRPGs, not just Bludgeon. Uh, I've kind of just hopped into this server, and you know, I run my sessions there. Uh, with them, and yeah, that's a great place to be. That's a great community to be a part of as well. As long as you don't mind a bit of uh, Hindi or Tamil just kind of being thrown into chat, <laughs> but apart from
0: that, it's great. You're gonna have to send me the uh, information on that, and I'll make sure I put that in the show notes if that's a if that's a, if that's a public server.
1: Oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that.
0: Yeah, that that'd be wonderful because you know I I know there are folks who are always looking for ways to connect with other you know playtesting or just tabletop, you know, sort of communities around the world. And yeah. it's just lovely to know that they exist. And I'm going to do everything in my power to signal boost that as well. I, <laughs> I in general, I'm just extremely, extremely excited about bludgeon. I think it's very interesting. And I want more people to know about it. Oh, and I, I have that. to say, like, what I've seen so far, what I've read so far in the basics, and hearing sort of your design philosophy and your intent with the game. I I just, I hope it finds its sort of player base and I hope that player base is very, very large.
1: (laughs) I I hope so too. Uh, I mean, it's the dream that every designer has, right? That more and more people play what they've put out. But honestly, like even if it helps inspire someone to make something cooler, that's good enough too. It's in the same way that I will shout out games and other things that I've read were consumed in some format and be like yeah this inspired me that's huge that's a huge kick for the people who created that as well so even that you know to be part of that little chain of creation that's that's, that's it's awesome to be part of something like that
0: yeah the, the genealogy of game design exactly, exactly. Is, is very interesting and i mean i'm already inspired by it i'm looking at it I'm like oh that's i never thought about that and uh, I already know like at least a handful of people who I'm going to send this to who are really into tactical video games Sweet. and are like thinking about this sort of stuff. And so I'm going to be sending them bludgeon. And I, I guarantee that their reaction will be very similar to mine. Oh man. But Tejas, how can people find you on the internet? If they want to ask you questions, you mentioned the the forums on itch, but you're also on Twitter, correct?
1: Yes, I am. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I am at Tactics and Shy. That's Tactics N, the letter N, and Shy. I'm also on Blue Sky as the Bludgeon Master, which has been a running joke uh, for a while now. And so we just adopted it for Blue Sky. <laughs> and on Discord, I'm part of the Asian... H- Asians represent uh server, so that's a great Hell place yeah. to just reach out. I don't ex- uh, have a Bludgeon only Discord yet. Uh, I don't know if I have the bandwidth, to, you know, run one. exactly. So I'm I'm doing what I can with the time I
0: have. Well, if you're a member of the Asians Rep server, Tages is in there, and if you've got questions, you can always ask there. You can always post on itch dms on twitter that's how we got in touch and of course blue sky i am really bad at talking about blue sky because (laughs) agents represent is also on blue sky though we seldom post on there we're there for for us to all gather when the ship eventually sinks on on x.com or whatever we want to call it
1: if you guys want to reach out or hell if anybody wants to just talk about design i i will i will really, really go crazy with that because I have a one-track mind when it comes to game design.
0: Well, I, I definitely want to, to talk to you more. I think I've been noodling around the idea of just doing an episode where we talk about different like design philosophies and get a bunch of designers together with different backgrounds and kind of hey say, hey, what are our preferences? What is our approach to designing combat character creation and whatnot yeah so i'm definitely gonna have to bring you on for that oh that'd be lovely uh but that said like just thank you for you know joining me for this episode of agents represent uh it has been an honor i have learned so much and i am so excited to dive deeper into bludgeon oh but, and thanks for having me i really appreciate it uh, anytime <laughs>